Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCrady. I am really looking forward to these next few episodes where I'm going to read it through and maybe with a few comments here and there, but I am going to read through the book of Galatians. I may even venture out and read it in the Amplified Classic, the Message, and the Passion Translation, because I believe that repetition is so very important. And when God says in Jeremiah 23, 29, he says, isn't my word like a fire that will burn up everything that wouldn't make it through the test anyway? And isn't it like a hammer that can break the most stubborn resistance? Oh, my friends, the power of his word. It is great that we comment on the word. It's great that we read other books that take us into the word of God. And and it's like having a five-fold, you know, um, teaching gift, right, that, that speaks to us when we read these classic books that often I do on here. But there is nothing that replaces the reading of the Word of God. So I make no apologies for sharing these episodes with you here in these early days of 2023, that we might just let the purity of His Word wash through us. So incline your ear, my friends, and listen to his voice in his word and let it literally ignite you in the days that you're in and the days ahead. Love you all. Okay, I just have to read Galatians 3 out of the Message Bible. And I want you to count with me just in the first few verses maybe verses one through four, how many times the word crazy comes up because Galatians three is exposing the spell, the fascination, the bewitching, the, the hex uh, that has come upon the people of God in Galatia. And let me assure you, my friends, we are not so highly evolved that that spell is not still working. How many believers, how many Christians Uh, remain under a spell of working so hard to be good, so hard to earn the approval of God, working so hard after they're done with their evil to come to perfection by their own performance. This is riddled throughout the body of Christ. We are not a more highly evolved people. We are still in the same condition and the same seducing power continues because we try to handle things ourselves independent from the Father and the finished work of Jesus and the person of Holy Spirit. When the entire way of living was meant to be in full dependency upon God. That's how mankind was always meant to live. We were never meant to be the captain of our own destiny. We were never meant to be uh, the full, uh, fully evolved self, right? Where we impress others, we impress God, and therefore he bestows blessings upon us. The height and the zenith of the goodness of man is going to be 
the greatest enemy of the life of Christ in these days. If you listened weeks ago to my podcast where I reminded you of the three major temptations that God told me would come against the sons of God, then you know the number one temptation is going to be to trust in our own goodness. So I want to say that as I open up and simply read Galatians 3 to you today, my friends. The only power that will supersede and deal with this seducing power of our own goodness, the only power that will deal with that is the power of the cross, where Jesus has done everything necessary. So, here we go, my friends. Galatians 3, the Message Bible Count in those early verses how many times the word crazy or a reference to craziness is given. Here we go. You crazy Galatians, did someone put a spell on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened, for it's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. Let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? Did you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? It is not yet a total loss, but it certainly will be if you keep this up. Verse 5. Answer this question. Does the God who lavishly provides you with His own presence, His Holy Spirit, working things in your lives you could never do for yourselves. Does he do these things because of your strenuous moral striving or because you trust him to do them in you? Don't these things happen among you just as they happened with Abraham? He believed God and that act of belief was turned into a life that was right with God. Is it not obvious to you that persons who put their trust in Christ not persons who put their trust in the law, are like Abraham, children of faith. It was all laid out beforehand in Scripture that God would set things right with non-Jews by faith. Scripture anticipated this in the promise to Abraham, all nations will be blessed in you. So those now who live by faith are blessed along with Abraham who lived by faith. This is no new doctrine. And that means that anyone who tries to live by his own effort, independent of God, is doomed to failure. Scripture backs this up. Utterly cursed is every person who fails to carry out every detail written in the book of the law. Verse 11. The obvious impossibility of carrying out such a moral program should make it plain that no one can sustain a relationship with God that way. The person who lives in right relationship with God does it by embracing what God arranges for him. 
Doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what God does for you. Habakkuk had it right. Quote, the person who believes God is set right by God, and that's the real life. Close quote. Rule-keeping does not naturally evolve into living by faith, but only perpetuates itself in more and more rule-keeping, a fact observed in Scripture. Quote, the one who does these things, rule-keeping, continues to live by them. Close quote. Verse 13. Christ redeemed us from that self-defeating, cursed life by absorbing it completely into himself. Do you remember the scripture that says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That is what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He became a curse and at the same time dissolved the curse. And now, because of that, the air is cleared and we can see that Abraham's blessing is present and available for non-Jews too. We are all able to receive God's life, his spirit, in and with us by believing just the way Abraham received it. Verse 15. Friends, let me give you an example from everyday affairs of the free life I am talking about. Once a person's will has been signed, no one else can annul it or add to it. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his descendant. You will observe that Scripture, in the careful language of a legal document, does not say to descendants, referring to everybody in general, but to your descendant. The noun, note, is singular, referring to Christ. This is the way I interpret this. A will, earlier signed by God, is not annulled by an addendum attached 430 years later, thereby negating the promise of the will. No, this addendum, with its instructions and regulations, has nothing to do with the promised inheritance in the will. Verse 18. What is the point, then, of the law, the attached addendum? It was a thoughtful addition to the original covenant promises made to Abraham. The purpose of the law was to keep a sinful people in the way of salvation until Christ, the descendant, came, inheriting the promises and distributing them to us. Obviously, this law was not a first-hand encounter with God. It was arranged by angelic messengers through a middleman, Moses. But if there is a middleman, as there was at Sinai, then the people are not dealing directly with God, are they? But the original promise is the direct blessing of God received by faith. Verse 21. If such is the case, is the law then an anti-promise, a negation of God's will for us? Not at all. Its purpose was to make obvious to everyone that we are, in ourselves, out of right relationship with God, and therefore to show us the futility of devising some religious system for getting by our own efforts what we can only get by waiting in faith for God to complete His promise. For if any kind of rule-keeping had power to create life in us, we would certainly have gotten it by this time. 
until the time when we were mature enough to respond freely in faith to the living God, we were carefully surrounded and protected by the Mosaic Law. The law was like those Greek tutors with which you are familiar, who escort children to school and protect them from danger or distraction, making sure the children will really get to the place they set out for. Verse 25. But now you have arrived at your destination. By faith in Christ, you are in direct relationship with God. Your baptism in Christ was not just washing you up for a fresh start. It also involved dressing you in an adult faith wardrobe, Christ's life, the fulfillment of God's original purpose. Verse 28 and 29. In Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male and female. Among us, you are all equal. That is, we are all in a common relationship with Jesus Christ. Also, since you are Christ's family, then you are Abraham's famous descendant, heirs according to the covenant promises. Wow. I get to the end of reading this chapter and I have literally bottle rockets going off inside of me. What I love that stands out is how important it is in this chapter that they keep pointing out. We want direct relationship with you. No middleman. No law keeping. Because Christ fulfilled the law, my friends. Therefore, all has been done. And the desire on God's part, plan A, to have direct relationship with you through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is your way to the Father, my friends. It's not your way to heaven. It's your way to the Father. And wherever he is in his presence is heaven. That's why it's heaven within us now. It will be heaven when we arrive uh, and finally, right? This is why, you know, we, we must hear the truth. And I'm praying there's a cutting power of the cross happening even now as you hear the simplicity and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why he refers at least three to four times in the opening verses of Galatians 3 that, my friends, this is craziness to keep trying to produce something that Jesus has already fully and perfectly produced, which is your salvation, your means of being returned to the Father because plan A is still on. They decided early on before the foundations of the world, that they wanted you in Christ to be in oneness with them and that the two of you would live it out together, right? The Godhead in you. So I guess I could say the four of you, okay, <laughs> right? We don't want to be ridiculous about this, but we've got to keep the, the focal point. The focal point is they are the focal point and they have set their affections upon you. And the law, my friends, was never given for you to keep, right? The law was given to reveal to you your need for Christ and to prepare you for Christ so that you would see that all your efforts are absolutely futile. 
And that finally you would cry out and say, How can this be done? Oh, so glad you asked. Christ. Christ and Him alone. So I pray that this simple reading of the Word and this simple exhortation to come out from the craziness of your own performance and efforts and strenuous moral keepings, right? And I think this is why Holy Spirit laid this on me to read here at the beginning of the new year when so many people are in the euphoria of trying one more time to get it right. Oh, my friends, lean into Christ fully and live not only as a Christian, a believer, which those words are only used like two or three times in the scripture, but disciple is used about 269 times. And sons is used multiple times because you see, once you know that you are a saint, no longer a sinner, that you are a saint, a holy one, a consecrated one because of Christ. Now that's proof they came after you, that God came for you in Christ. You are born again because they fulfilled everything necessary. They required of themselves. They paid everything. They made the way. They meaning the Godhead. Now, you choose now that they've done everything necessary to bring you to themselves in Christ. Now, you turn and choose to be a disciple, one who follows Christ, that he might, through the, the, the person of Holy Spirit, right, that they said they lavishly poured out in you, Holy Spirit, that he, which we're going to see in Galatians 4, can't wait to get there, okay, is that he has been poured out now that you might, if you choose to be a disciple, one who comes after Jesus, follows him, takes up your cross and follows him, because there is no discipleship without the cross. Jesus makes that clear in his statements about being his disciple, is that now those who follow the son, right, are those who will mature as sons and live as such. So be encouraged today, my friends, and let's continue the conversation in the word in our next episodes. Love you all. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.